0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here Uh, a day later than usual because we had some issues that we had to iron out, but we ironed them out, and here we are. And it's a good thing we did because we got some breaking news that we're going to bring to you today with UCF volleyball uh, knocking off Florida State in the first round of the NCAA tournament in five sets. uh, In the Knights' first NCAA tournament victory since two thousand and three. Brian, Eric, I know that you were looking forward to this.
1: That's the intro. <laughs> I didn't uh, know what to say. Yes, right. yes, I know you're speechless, uh, Jeffrey. For it, it didn't really matter how much me and Eric were, were following this match online. Uh, this is your baby. This is your segment. Hey,
0: listen, uh, I listen,
1: no, which is
0: great because it
2: allowed me and Murph to watch the Bears and the Cowboys. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. I'm facing. I'm. Fa- I have fantasy football implications here in the playoffs, Absolutely. Jeffrey. So you go. You go do the volleyball thing. That's very important right now because it is very important. It's this new thing, and and, and and this is your thing. This is your stage. This is your spotlight, baby. Wow. This is listen.
0: All right. It is. It's not about me. Obviously, it is about. <laughs> it is about UCF. <laughs> team. It is, about UC, it is about UCF's team. It is about the players. It is about the coaches tonight. They were sublime. They beat Florida State in five sets. Second NCAA tournament win of the NCAA era. Uh, first time they've defeated a team from within the state of Florida. First NCAA tournament win since 2003, which was over Cincinnati. Uh, first NCAA tournament win for in the Todd Dagenet era. And with this victory, he now moves past Lucy McDaniel uh, to become the all-time winningest head coach in uh, UCF uh, volleyball history. But that's neither here nor there. It was an exciting match for uh, UCF. And well, by the way, we'll get, to, we'll get to football and everything else in a second. But this is the stuff that broke tonight. So um, UCF came back from down two sets to one. Uh, and uh, against Florida State, which is a pretty good, pretty good team, they finished third in the in the ACC. Uh, but uh, the Knights, uh, Knights were able to take care of business. It was, it looked like, it, and we actually got Todd Dagenet just a, a few moments ago um, uh, post match. But uh, uh, yeah, this is a, a huge win for um, the program. Some of the individual highlights from the match. Uh, McKenna Melville was outstanding. Uh, 20 kills and 27 digs. She was fantastic on both sides. Two-way player like we said. Um, Christina Fisher had 19 kills. Ann Marie Watson at 12. Mackenzie Kuchman had 27 digs. She was outstanding on the back line for UCF all night. These are the two two of the top three teams in the country in blocks. In blocks per set. Uh, Florida State's two, UCF's three. And uh, the Knights took care of that, you know, didn't hit better than 164 in the first three sets, but they hit 286 and 290 in the fourth and the fifth uh, to beat the Seminoles and move on. So, all right, we got him while he was in the arena watching Florida dispatch Alabama State, who UCF has next, and that match will take place on Friday, uh, Friday evening at 7 p.m., and uh, we're, thanks again to Sean Asher for his help with this, uh, getting it, getting him in quick order. But here is uh, UCF head volleyball coach Todd Dajene just after the victory. <laughs> All right, joining me now, fresh off of UCF's victory over Florida State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. He's literally walked out of the arena in the O-Dome where he's scouting Florida for their next match on Friday. Head coach Todd Dagenet, UCF Volleyball, joining me. Congrats, coach. I know it's been a long time coming, but uh, wow, what an evening for you guys.
3: Yeah, it was really special for the players to see their composure through the ups and downs of that match. Um, Florida State really is a great team. They were unbelievable on defense tonight. And, uh, you know, we just got the offense going at just the right time uh, to... To get uh, that tournament win that we've been waiting for for so
0: long, first NCAA tournament victory for UCF as a program since 2003 against, and that was against Cincinnati in the O Dome on that very floor you guys played on. Um, the uh, you you and the coaches and the assistant coaches talked all year about the concept of toughness and mental toughness, and you guys were down two to one in this match. Florida State won the second and the third. But then you guys come back strong in the fourth and then just took care of business in the fifth. What, in your mind, was the turning point of tonight's match?
3: You know, I thought uh, what you just said was right on. Um, I remember calling a timeout, and it was right after Mackenzie Coochman got aced, and I said, look, I'm not calling this timeout because Mackenzie got aced. I'm calling this timeout because of the look on everybody's face. And I said stop worrying about what others are doing or not doing and worry about what you're doing. Focus on you, execute your skills so we can execute your system, execute for the person next to you. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. And it just kind of very rarely this year. Have I ever got into them? Um, But it was more of a kind of try to snap them back into it because I felt, I felt like it was slipping. I felt like they, you know, they, they they were looking defeated in their mind. Turned out I was wrong, but it was just the look that they were given. They came out of that timeout and actually outscored until the end of the set, even though we lost the set. And it really set up that, you know, being even though we were down, it just set up that ability to climb back in it and just execute. And I thought it did. And it came down to our mental toughness. It came down to... Um, Look, both teams don't want to go home. Both teams have seniors that this could be their last match. And it just was a battle of who was going to be mentally tough enough to execute under the pressure. And I thought when it came down to it, I thought that we just executed better than they did. Now, look, we didn't play the match that we played against Cincinnati last week. You know, that match was, the, we, that was a match of the year for us. To do that back to back is tough, but we played, what we did is we really held Florida state down and it allowed our offense to struggle and still win. And ultimately we were just enough to, you know, we were just good enough to get to that fourth set where I thought a fourth and fifth set, our offense broke loose. Yeah. We finally, we finally warmed down, I think, and we were able to get some kills. We changed some things. Um, we, We were really left side heavy at first and, we needed to get the right, the ball to the right side more. We thought we had a better matchup on the right side. And, and you know, the setters just weren't getting their feet set. We just couldn't feed the, the rights the way we wanted to. Once we started feeding, feeding them, it just, everybody opened up. The whole world opened up and we were able to score.
0: Yeah, you were right about the offense in the final two sets because in the first three, you guys hit 164, 042, and 093. And then in the fourth and fifth, two eighty six, two ninety. Florida State didn't hit better, didn't hit any better than one fifty in the first four, and they hit one seventy four in the fifth. This was a high level, a match of two high level defensive teams. Well,
3: you know, it wasn't that we were playing bad either. I mean, we were taking some rips at the ball, and you know, they have such a they have a national championship caliber beach program. All those beach players are their defensive players um, indoor. And they learn how to dick balls with one hands and open hands and in crazy positions because that's what you do on the beach. And I mean, we were playing a defense that, I mean, arms were going in every direction. It looked like an octopus. just you <laughs> know, It seemed like they always had an arm in the right spot. And I mean, we were ripping some shots and, and, and they were getting it. I mean, the first eight points of the match seemed like an entire set itself. The rallies were so long. Um, but you know i think we started wearing them down i think we, we we i think we were i thought physically we were better i thought mentally for sure um we just were able to exhibit that toughness when it mattered the most but florida state's a great team i mean they've got you know seniors who are all american caliber it's a team that goes to the NCAA tournament every year they were just in the final four not that long ago i mean that's it's a team that that we haven't we haven't beaten um I don't know. I think the last time that we beaten, you said was the 1980s, or somebody said 19, it was the 1980s. And,
0: yeah, 19. I went back and looked at. It, I I heard I heard somebody say 1984. What I looked at was 1980. It was a long time ago. Either right,
3: way. Well, I know it, it's been a long time, and obviously Florida State is a is a significantly different program. They're a Final Four caliber program now, and have been for years. And uh, so, you know, it was really it was two evenly matched teams. Um, RPI, stats, everything. I mean, it was, it was a it was a coin toss. And I thought it just came down to, you know, which
0: dog wanted the bone the most.
3: And I thought, um, you know, I thought our players gelled together and, and and pulled the rope over the line.
0: Well, it's now you're on to the round of 32, and it's a little bit weird where you don't get the day off in between. Uh, you're going to play the winner of Florida and Alabama State, which is most likely obviously going to be Florida. They're on their home floor. Alabama State has the lowest RPI of any team in the, the Florida it, beat
3: them 25 to 10 and they're beating them uh, 15 to four right now. Yeah, so, well, well, there uh, you go. I
0: so. Right. So most likely, unless, uh, unless the lights go out in the arena or something, or the Monstars show up, it's going to be Florida. Um, right. the, it, your impressions right now of the Gators I know you guys are pretty familiar foes going back not just to the regular season, but you guys play all the time in the spring. Um, what's going to be in store for tomorrow night at the Odom?
3: I think you know. I don't know where the Gators are ranked in the ABCA poll. Uh, I know they're seated tenth. Their RPIs somewhere around seven or eight. Um, but you know, they are a Final Four team. You you look at their front line. I was just looking at a front line that was six seven, six eight, six seven. It's not their men's basketball team. It's their women's <laughs> volleyball team. You know, so I mean, it completely changes the way you have to play when you're going against a team that's blocking three feet on your side of the net. You can't set a ball tight. You can't make any mistakes. And so, you know, I thought that last year when Florida got healthy, they could make a Final Four run. They just ended up having to go to BYU, which is the worst place to play during tournament time. It's just a horrible place to try to win. And they lost there um, for the chance to go to the Final Four. But this year's team here, with the draw that they have, uh, you know they've got that opportunity, and we're in, and we're going to try to be the spoiler on that. We have nothing to lose, when we step into this gym tomorrow. You know we feel like it's going to go not to the biggest or not to the most athletic team. It's going to go to the team that executes volleyball the best, and and we want to be that team. And we've been practicing for it all year. We've been exhibiting that trait all year long. So we're going to step on this floor with the intent of winning and we're going to step on this floor with the intent of uh of making plays of, of forcing them to make mistakes so we're going to look them straight in the eye and if we're going to stand in the middle of the ring we're not going to go running we're, we're going to stand in the middle of the ring and we're going to trade punches until one of us falls
0: well, it should be a lot of fun to watch. I know you got to get back to work scouting them out right now. But uh, once again, congrats on the victory. Congrats to you and uh, Jenny and, and Brian and all the players and the staff on uh, a historic victory uh, tonight in Gainesville. And do we have a match time for tomorrow yet? Do you know? I, I
3: think it's 7 o'clock, but I think everybody's going to probably have to check the website. Um, I know it's supposed to be on uh, the SEC network. Right. Um, I don't know if it's on live. I don't know if it's on the Internet, but I think the SEC is going to pick it up. Um, so, yeah, no, we're going to go out there and, 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 and you know, it's, I think we've we've got a little bit of swagger that we we want to be able to play them at their place. We want to show that we belong on that stage. And are we as good as them? You know, it doesn't matter. I think what matters is are we better than them tomorrow? That's all that matters.
0: All right, and we'll be there watching it uh, the whole way through. Head Coach Todd Dagenet, UCF Volleyball, congrats on the program's first NCAA tournament victory since 2003 and hopefully at least one more and probably a few more coming in the future, Todd. Job well done by you and the players. Congratulations, and we'll see you tomorrow night.
3: Great. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Head Coach Todd Dagenet now with 237 victories, the winningest head coach in UCF history. By the way, I didn't ask him about that because – He's always he, he he's always like I don't care about any of that, and I'm like okay I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get I, I'm I'm probably not gonna get an answer from him anyway on that. But uh, congrats to Todd man wow what a what a twelve years it's been for him building up to this moment and um, the Knights are moving on they're playing the Florida Gators uh, tomorrow we're recording this on Thursday night uh, Friday play Friday night at the Odeum at seven o'clock and uh, no word on TV. I know Todd hinted that he it, it might have been on SEC Network. Right now, there's right now their schedule. The last I checked, is showing Kentucky against Southeast Missouri State. I don't know if they're going to change SWCC that. SEC Network Plus on SEC Plus. Okay. okay, all right. Yeah, yeah ah, go it's on. Bar. It's on the computer. That's what
2: volleyball. If you want to catch volleyball postseason, they're usually online. Up until what the round of 16 or the elite eight, when then ESPN
0: takes. Over. Yeah, round, round of 16 yeah. is usually when it starts, or the round of eight. Yeah. You get you get the regional finals on ESPNU, and you know the elite eight. So that's you know four matches right there, and then. Oh my and then boy, course, hope,
2: hope hope for guy Tom Collette gets his voice back. Yeah, Tom I'm was header, header, listen. Header. I got a
0: I got a bone to pick with Tom because he mispronounced uh, Todd Dasherney's name. We got a volleyball feud. He got he missed. Oh, he I'm was, gonna go, I'm he missed, watch football now. He missed on <laughs> he missed on Nerissa Moravic's name all night. I'm like, come on, man. The pronunciation's guy's right there. You've got one job. gum, you know. I mean, come on. Anyway, I mean, it's fine. You know, he really was struggling through the match. I really feel, feel bad for him on that. I mean, that's that's. That's tough, but, uh, he'll be there, uh, tomorrow for the match. Um, but, uh, yeah, l- l- tall order against Florida. Seven o'clock. 7 o'clock. Uh,
2: look, here's the quail quick, huge win. This kind of erases last year's tough loss to Florida Gulf coast. You know, they had a five set loss in Gainesville to Miami in 2014, the five set loss to Florida Gulf coast last year. That erases all of that. Uh, to me, this has been a – it's now a successful season officially. You've got to win a first – you've got to win the first-round match. We'll see what happens with Florida. Florida is obviously the heavy favorite being at home. We don't know what their status is of their marquee player uh, as we record this because their marquee player didn't play against Alabama State. We don't know if that's just because, hey, it's Alabama State, we can afford to do that, or if there's something more going on. And that could change the equation of the match. But, um, you know, I thought they raised their game. And I know Dash and Todd disagrees with this, but I think the players, Jeff, you remember you and I were there in the post game, and when I asked them about the conference tournament, they all nodded their heads how they really thought this would help them. And I really do believe that going through that conference tournament, going through that feeling, because you can't duplicate this in a regular season match where, hey, you're playing one set and you're for a championship. There's something about that suddenness. And I felt that this team responded down two sets to one against Florida State and I think the playing in that conference tournament, playing in that match against Cincinnati with something at stake, I think helped this veteran group. And I think they, they had unfinished business from last year, losing at home to Florida Gulf Coast, and they finished the job and took care of Florida State.
0: So a lot of, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that they um, they exhibited a lot of confidence, particularly starting late in the second. Like Todd mentioned this in the interview, too, you know, where they fell down in the second, and, but they kind of charged back. They still lost the second, but they charged back and made and made a set out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that made a huge difference, I think, in 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 the match because they understood how that they were. Um, you could every year they were like, yeah, don't worry about it. We got this. We got this. Don't worry." Um, and that's the kind of confidence that you see, you know, from a team that. I, and I'll, you know, <laughs> we talked about the winning streak last year you know, when you win that many matches, you kind of see a little bit of everything and you gain confidence off of that. And, you know, of course, they came back down to earth, like you said, Eric, against Florida Gulf Coast on the home floor. But, you know, that uh, that experience that, you know, the, the confidence plus the chip on your shoulder um, makes for a very dangerous combination. And, you know, they're playing with house money now going into tomorrow against Florida. And, I'll tell you, you know, Flor Like I said, tall order against Florida, and it was, it's, it's, it's definitely a pun because they got six, 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 seven, and six eight across the front line. The Gators do um, all playing, and uh, and so they're going to be, uh, it, 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 it's going to be tough against against them. But UCF is the kind of team that is athletic enough and quick enough to give a big team like Florida fits and to make their defensive players actually have to play defense rather than just everything getting stuff blocked on the way back. So, um, you know, if they can, if they can match up the outsides, like, um, you know, McKenna Melville and Christina Fisher and, and uh, Anne-Marie Watson, you know, one-on-one out there. I think that can, that can bode well for UCF. I mean, it's, you know, they're going to have UCF could play their best match and still lose, Florida could not play their best match and still win. Um, But there's, uh, you know, you just, I think that this is a lot more competitive team than, you know, like you were saying, than than I think they're getting credit for, especially with this late season kind of run that they've been on since that loss to Cincinnati on the home floor in the regular season. and, and And I think actually, in a weird way,
2: going through the adversity that they have this year, which Todd talked about after the American Conference Volleyball Championship, things didn't go smoothly this year. They they blew a match against Marquette uh, where they should have won the fifth set. They lost twice to Cincinnati. Uh, whereas last year, they kind of steamrolled. And I do believe every team goes through some adversity, and I think that's made this team prepared for this late run. And, you know, you talk about the Florida match, I think you mentioned their size. Clearly what they're going to try to do is similar to what Florida State tried to do, Is just they're going to put two big bodies near McKenna Melville and try to either have McKenna try to shoot, you know, hit over them, which is hard, which is why her percentage maybe is as low as lower than normal. She mm-hmm. hit 122 in the match. And then, and then I think they would say, somebody else has to beat us. And I think that's where Christina Fisher stepped up late in the match, in the Florida State match, and I thought Anne Marie Watson stepped up. And I thought Ali Sable, while her stats don't jump out at you on the sheet of paper, I thought she had some critical points in those fourth and fifth set. Uh, 11 kills for her that's the key they need other players to help mckenna because mckenna is going to draw a lot of attention and that's going to create opportunities for other players
0: yeah i mean mckenna over on that left side is you know obviously she's going to draw all of the attention and then it comes down to your right size you know and you, you talk about watson and then Allie, who's a lefty out there on the right side it's just been solid as a rock here in her senior year and i mean mckenna took 90 swings um, but she had to in order to keep drawing that defense, and that enabled uh, you know things to open up for Fisher, who hit 281. Um, you know the middles were pretty good too. I, 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 let's give some credit to um, Lachey Harper, who I thought had a really good match tonight. And um, I said this on Twitter, but I'll say it again: just when I thought, just when you think Mackenzie Kuchmanner, the defensive specialist, the libero, could not have a better match. Uh, as she did against Cincinnati. Then she has an even better match against Florida State. She was all over the place tonight. And, um, and she's going to have to be again against, against Florida in order to, if the Knights want to make a run to the second weekend. But
2: that's a credit to Todd and Jenny and the rest of the staff on the recruiting. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. against past players in UCF, but I think this is as talented of a group as you're going to get. Uh, they're more athletic than ever before. I think they're getting better to the point where they can compete with a Florida State team that's tall and big. Uh, they could be competing with a Florida. Um, you know, I expect that to be a tight match. I don't think that's going to be a blowout unless UCF just has no energy. Yeah. I think they do have to get off to a good start. I think you would agree that. They need to get off to a good start. You don't want to fall behind uh, Florida. You know it's going to be a packed house there, and you worry about back-to-back extending yourself five sets against a good Florida State team where Florida, quite frankly, had a walk in the park. I mean, they probably would have had a tougher time in a scrimmage than they did against Alabama State. Yeah.
0: Alabama State, by the way, had the lowest RPI of any team in the field. They were in the yeah. 300s. So yeah, they end up
2: in the game, though, because they're, I guess they're close enough to us. Who knows? Well,
0: yeah. well they, won their, uh, they won their tournament, so, I mean, you know. Yeah,
2: that's, but, but, you know, they, they don't get Florida. It's funny how Florida doesn't get Florida Gulf Coast. They, you know, in other words, last year, UCF gets the host, and they get paired with Florida Gulf Coast, right. who's a team that was a borderline 3 seed? It's funny how that works. But nonetheless... Um, Look, I think if UCF can get off to a good start, win the first set, I think it's going to be a long match. If they don't, I do worry about them from an energy standpoint because Florida has more bodies. But look, man, they're a talented team. We said this, we said this a couple weeks ago. This is a team that's dangerous. They could go to the Sweet 16 with the right draw if they play well. And uh, you know, congrats to them for taking care of Florida. And again, they the recruiting they've done there uh, with Jenny coming on board and then the rest of the staff coming on board. I mean, that this program is very healthy and you've got a player, McKenna Melville, They anything's possible when you have a player like McKenna Melville.
0: Yeah, so, uh, again, it'll be uh, tomorrow night at 7, likely on, uh, I guess what you're saying, SEC Network Plus, but we'll probably get confirmation from UCF um, at some point tonight. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Should be a big Friday night match for UCF. The last time they played Florida, that U- Florida has ended UCF season um, in... Each uh, or, or they, ended up, they ended up the end of their season three straight times in 0-2, and 0-3. so chance for some revenge against the Gators uh, in the O Dome, which is you know during that time in the early two thousands was where a UCF season went to ends. But you know maybe now could be a different situation for uh, for UCF volleyball as they play the Gators. Are you going? You are gonna go? Are you gonna go, Mister? I'm thinking about you know you if I can it? if I can get. Match times at seven o'clock. So if I can get Connor and bring him up there, I, I'm really going to try and get up there. I, I'm wondering. I'm, I'm going to check the ticket prices tonight, see what it's like. But uh, but yeah, I Murph, come on, let's go. I'm f-
1: I'm fantastic, guys. <laughs> I can't because I do have to talk to men's basketball tomorrow, and that's going to take me up for the day. But uh, right. I
0: right Friday, so yeah. right. I wish
1: you the best of luck.
0: So, All anyway, right, well, we'll t- yeah, well we tried, Eric. Are You coming, Eric? Come on.
2: Obviously, you haven't heard me cough off the air. I don't think that's a good idea. You want me around Connor in that, but uh
0: No, we'll he, see. maybe I'll pick <clears> up better. He's 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 a 5-year-old. He's there's no, anything that you've got he's already had. Anyway, um congrats again to Start Todd. To yeah, it's true. Um <laughs> Uh, congrats again to, to uh, UCF volleyball for the victory and uh, maybe another one in store. Alright, stick around. We'll come back. We'll talk some football. Recap the war on I-4 which wasn't really a war of any sort and we will talk about UCF's bowl possibilities. Uh, stick around. I'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy here with you talking about UCF football now. And uh, well, regular season is officially over for uh, UCF. Nine and three, uh, they just put the hammer to USF, and I think they it almost felt like they they felt sorry for them and took the took the foot off the gas there. There was South Florida had some long drives late in the game to kind of that kind of would have it, it, it kind of prevented it from being worse, but 34-7 uh, to 7 was the final for UCF. Uh, it was really no contest. You, the Knights jumped out. Uh, it we're up 24-0 at the half. Uh, Dylan Gabriel hit Gabriel Davis for a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Barnes had a 50-yard field goal. We had uh, Adrian Killens with a 35-yard touchdown on First time he's seen the end zone in a little while, and um, Well, uh, well, there's been a lot more news, really, um, since then. A couple couple days later, Charlie Strong fired as USF's head coach lost 14 of his final 18 games. Um, USF is now searching for a new head man. There are rumors about Willie Taggart possibly coming back. There are rumors about Lane Kiffin. Um, For more on that, by the way, you should follow... uh, and and do do take care in doing so. Uh, our frenemies over at uh, the Daily Stampede, our SB Nation USF sister site, uh, make sure you follow Nathan Bond over there because he's been hot on the trail of those things for who might be USF's next head coach. But uh, in the meantime, UCF, of course, not the champions of the East Division, they will not play in the American Athletic Conference championship game. That will be a rematch between Memphis and Cincinnati. Memphis actually had to beat Cincinnati in order for that to happen this past Saturday, and they did. Uh, And so these two teams get to play each other on the same field uh, for the second consecutive week to see who gets the uh, American Athletic Conference crown, and quite possibly the Group of Five bid to the New Year's Six uh, bowl game. Nonetheless... UCF now awaits to find what bowl game they are going to. On blackandgoldbannaret.com, right now we have we have aggregated as many bowl projections, legitimate bowl projections, I should say, that we could find and put them up there uh, for you to peruse. And uh, looking at it right now, Brian Murphy. Uh, the by the way, I don't know where these people actually, you know, get any information. On this, I really don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 just think damn, they're
1: damn, damn the angle before you feed it out to everybody. That's I, right. Kill I'm the just
0: actual. no, i just well, okay. The the bowl game that is the the <laughs> mode, if you will, for you math wizards out there is the Cure Bowl against what would be a Sun Belt team, according to the according to these parts, most likely Georgia State, although it could be, uh, at, although. uh, USA Today had an Appalachian State. Boy, that would be interesting. Um, A couple other ideas out there. The Gasparilla Bowl seem to appear frequently against either FAU or FIU. Um, Power Six uh, Bowl opponents could be Kansas State and the Liberty Bowl, possibly... Miami or Florida State in the Independence Bowl, or Virginia Tech in the Belt Bowl, maybe, possibly. Who knows? Little
2: military Bowl buzz too.
0: Little I mean, bu- little buzz about the Military Bowl against a, against a against a Power Five team. I don't know. I don't think on, anybody Mur, else you know knows. Murph, do you Where have you any idea? You
1: know? <laughs> uh, so bowl projections are bunk. Uh, okay, they're good. pointless. Thanks. They're a- absolute junk. I well, uh, encourage
0: you to check them out anyway. Yes, please learn. read right. on that note, please read our bull projections on Black and Gold yeah, never, com. Anyway, go ahead.
1: There no but let's be let's be let's be fair. We are not doing any of these bull projections. We are aggregating them from other sites. Yes, that's So correct. while we are only while we didn't commit the murder, we'll, we're only an accomplice in this. We're we're, we're not we're, No, no, we're, we're, we're just, just
0: we're merely, we're merely an interested bystander. That's what right, we. That's right, right.
1: So. Now, with with that said, these projections are hilariously awful. Because, <laughs> one, there has never been a team that's gotten more than seven wins in a Cure Bowl. Ever. Right. And I, it's only like five years, but who cares? I don't know who's putting them in the Cure Bowl, but that's ridiculous.
0: Well, Second, I can tell you here, has... it would be 247 Sports, CBS, USA Today, and Sporting News.
1: I understand. Okay, did yeah. Did it's two, vicious, did. Didn't
2: 247 reported that you know Dino Babers was going to be the next UCF head coach?
1: I don't know. I'm, I am not I'm not slamming any websites. S- I sing- am, clearly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. Well we respect. leave that we leave that to you Eric Lopez. Anyway, go ahead. That's, right. yeah. that's your <laughs> work. Uh someone has them going to the Belk Bowl. There used to be an AC tie-in to the Belk Bowl. There is not no longer an AC tie-in for the Belk Bowl. That's that's not a thing. Uh so I don't know. Just funny. stop. Just actually don't do this anymore. Stop putting this out because all they're doing, I'll tell you who they're asking. All they do is they call up most of these people call up the bowls themselves and say, "Hey, who do you think would be a pretty good team to get in your bowl?" And they'll throw out a name and that person will use that and publish it. That's how this works most of the time. Some people will smart. Some people are actually smart and put up things that they've actually researched. But most of these projections, uh, people that are putting them out there, are doing that off of uh, based off of what they hear from the bowls themselves. And the Bulls themselves are trying to feed them the best matchup possible they can get, even though everyone knows UCF's not going to the Cure Bowl. So just don't worry about it. With that said, I, I would assume their best chance is staying somewhere in Florida with Gasparilla or Boca. Um, but, God, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into this rabbit hole. It's it's bottomless, and it's oh, just Murph, dark. You like it. You know no, you know. You no, want to know where you're I going. I, I, I enjoy – I enjoy – NCAA tournament projections. Much more than I enjoy this. Well, well, thank you. I mean, <laughs> this is this is this is absolute uh, junk, and I can't curse. I, I gotta go. I gotta go on to the. I gotta go on the USF site so I can go curse on there. Uh, <laughs> I, go, <laughs> they do have I can't curse here.
0: I actually keep back
2: up Earth. This is the problem with these buttons. There are so many back channel. Talks now like especially with TV involved and teams are involved like I have been amused by like hey we might get Florida State or Miami like somehow those schools first of all really give a crap number one number two do you really think they're like hey yeah I agree let's play UCF that'd be awesome no they're not gonna agree to that come on right. are we kidding um, I don't know where they're going nobody knows where they're gonna go we probably won't know till Saturday night or Sunday I feel like a curveball is coming because, to Murph's point, um, I kind of think most of these people don't have a clue uh, because I think they're terrible at what they do. And I just think (laughs) a curveball is coming. No, I'm serious. I think a curveball is coming. I could see UCF going to Military Bowl.
0: That's in Annapolis, Maryland, by the way.
2: That's a place that I think they, you know, UCF might feel that they could draw people to go there. Everybody likes to go there. Uh, They would guarantee – they would more than like –
1: that's an ACC tie-in, too. Correct, like, correct. You,
2: ACC tie-in, you could get a Miami, you could get an FSU. The awkward thing about this, where well, you got to be careful, though, you could also get a rematch with Pitt, which is like, ugh. Oh, or God, you might no. Get, well, the other worst scenario, even worse than that, you might get North Carolina, which is the team you're going to open with next oh, season. So you got to be careful. Really? That's why, to Murph's point, you can't base anything on these projections. There's a lot of stuff that these schools have to think about when you think about these bowl scenarios. Because if I'm UCF, I don't want to play North Carolina in a bowl game knowing that I'm going to open the season with them. And I don't know if anybody would be excited about a pit rematch, for example. So there's a lot of different things. And we don't know what TV's involvement in this. Some TV, hey, listen, we think we think it'd be a great idea if you played here instead or this bowl or stuff like that. So yeah. um, unfortunately, when you don't win your league, uh, you're not playing for the conference championship, you don't really have a lot of control.
0: Well, all right. Let, let me let me flip the let me flip the question around. All right, um, Eric, I'll start with you. What bowl would you like to see UCF in, and against whom?
2: Uh, whatever, whatever makes Brian happier. Me be
0: honest. <laughs> Come <laughs> on, that's such a non-answer. No,
2: I mean, he's the one that's traveling. I'm not traveling. Like, I don't care where they go. you ain't... Right. Listen. Yeah. Like,
0: like. No. 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 I, you want to see a, a matchup that's worth watching, right? What is? But
2: what is the definition of that? Because I think for everybody is a different. You answer. tell.
0: You tell me what your definition is. Well,
2: I, I, look, I agree with you. I, I'd be interested in seeing them play Appalachian State, but I, there's a lot of people that would say no. There are some people that think playing Miami and Florida State would be exciting. I say no because those two teams are garbage. And neither of those teams give a crap about the bowl game. Hell, Florida State doesn't even know who the frickin' their head coach is. They're probably going to settle on Mike Norville because they have incompetence in their administration over there. You think they give a crap about what bowl game they're playing? No. Um, certainly their fan base won't. Um, so I think there's a lot of different things. I don't think you're ever going to please everybody with this.
0: Um, this, this show is so good, I need to pay wallet or something. This is great. Carry on.
2: Is like, for example, like there's a chance maybe in some wacky scenario, UCF ends up in Hawaii to play BYU. Well a lot of people aren't gonna be able to make that trip, but that might be your best option. Uh, Gasparilla would probably make the most geography sense. They haven't played in Tampa this year, but people aren't gonna be excited about playing a conference USA team. So um you know this is the one thing like Jeff I'll say this and, and we've both been accused and you know some of you know we've been defenders of Mike Oresco in a lot of ways. And I think he's done a great job and I think he's politic this way to try to make sure the American gets this New Year six slot by the way this year uh by having campaigning for cincinnati over boise but i think one of the things he has come up short with and it's been disappointing is they haven't upgraded on bowl games and i would like to and that's that's the disappointing thing about yeah. it because i do think this league deserves better bowl games like they should have a permanent tie-in for example with the liberty bowl instead of you know maybe we'll negotiate the back channels you know we're going to go behind the hood and kind of to neg- go secret negotiations and
0: yeah. i just wish we
2: had better bowl games because, like the loser of this Memphis Cincinnati game. I don't even know, you know, we're worried about where we're going. Where is the loser of Memphis Cincinnati going? And that's, yeah, that's
0: unfortunate. That's the that's the other thing I think is, you know, is cuz UCF is more than likely going to be the third team from the American team. I I I agree with you on that. I and by the way, I have no insight at all as to as to what um, you know, bowl game, you know, bowl games that the American might be angling for in the future. Um, you know, I, I would hope that it would be one of the more quote established end quote bowl games. Like, you know, maybe they could find a way to to get a uh, you know you, you know to one day elbow out one of the conferences that are in the Gator Bowl or you know one of those ones that at least seem familiar. That's not a New Year's Day bowl game, but is um, but at least is a rec- is recognized as a as an annual. Bowl. And certainly not the Liberty Bowl. I well, I mean, Let's just
2: start with the Liberty Bowl. I think the Liberty Bowl. And- no one's ever complained about playing in the Liberty Bowl. When you, you well, have, it's you, freezing
0: you have, you up know, in Memphis you know, this time of right? year. I mean, you know. I, would,
2: I mean, you know. It, but that's better than Boca Raton Bowl, you know. I mean, is it? Yes, yes, yes.
0: Trust I would me. rather go to Boca Raton than Memphis. What?
2: what? You're, 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 you got some uh, Yeah, I'd rather
0: go to South. I'd rather have a good time down in South Florida than than freeze uh, my garbanzos off in Memphis.
2: Earth, can, you yes,
1: clue in on, are, can you clue in, are, Jeff, are you, on your trip to Boca there? Are you insinuating that there's nothing to do in Memphis?
0: No, I'm not. I'm just saying I would rather go to a place. I'd rather stay in a place where it's, you know, above thirty degrees.
2: Play in a dump of a stadium? It's
0: not a dump of a stadium. What okay. are you talking but, about? It's or, brand new.
2: first you were just there, tell me. Tell it. Tell Jeff.
1: I mean, first of all, people will people will be more excited to play in the Liberty Bowl than they will be in the Boca Bowl. I mean, proximity, I get it. Weather, I mean, you're really, you're really like uh, that, that's thats point it straws there, because like it's not going to be like Syracuse weather. It'll it, it, at worst it'll be like low 40s. Get over yourself. Yeah. It, and it'll be against a much better opponent in a much more uh, no, like uh, notable bowl than a than the Boca Bowl, which no one cares about. No one gives a crap about the Boca Bowl. Little thing
2: called Beale Street, by the way, which 30 degrees, 80 degrees is always fun. Doesn't matter what the weather is.
1: Yeah. You can warm up. You can warm up real quickly on Beale Street, Jeff.
0: I <laughs> I guess I guess you guys are speaking from experience. Um the, yeah,
2: rendezvous. Rendezvous. Re- Good ribs. ribs, I'm telling you. We can't Boca, what the hell are you finding Boca? A bunch of eighty year olds retired?
0: No, no, no. That's <laughs> that's awesome. what that's West Palm. Um no, I, I I I I get where you're coming from. I'm just this is just my personal preference. I'm just saying. Um Alright, but anyway, I, I yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait until these bowl games come up again, at least in terms of these, these contracts and the TV contracts. It probably won't be until, what, Eric, 2024 20, again, twenty five somewhere That's around right. there. That's right,
2: 2025, so. right around that range. I mean, there, there's been some talk. Mike Oresco has spoken on a lot many outlets in the last few weeks that even starting next year, there's more flexibility with bowl games where there's more negotiations involved, back-channel stuff where, hey – you give us this, we'll give you that and try to try to create different matchups. There has been some chatter about that, but um I just wish for the league cuz the league's deserved the league's had a, a hell of a hell of a right. football wise and it just deserves better marquee bowl games. It just does. And I think you know, part of the reason why I think a lot of UCF fans feel this is a disappointing season is because of the of the uh, destination of the end. Um you know, no one no one's really excited about where UCF's going to go bowling, regardless where they end up going. I I mean, we can Discuss which one's the best option and this or that, but it's not gonna compare to the Peach Bowl. It's not gonna compare to the Fiesta Bowl. And there's nothing really close to it. Whereas, you know, a team in the Big Ten, you know, can you know Michigan can end up in the Citrus Bowl and have a yeah, you know, that's pretty damn good. Alabama can end up in the Citrus Bowl. Um Notre Dame's gonna end up in Orlando. You no, know, everybody has great bowl options as a secondary market, except the American. I do think they need to address that.
1: Yeah. How about well, Miami and the military. Uh, Miami and the Military Bowl, that would be your best case scenario, I think. I think that would be fun. I I
0: agree with that. That would be be a lot of fun. It's too bad that that game would not not be played in Florida, to be honest with you. But, you know, two Florida teams having to go up to Annapolis, Maryland. I mean, I'm nothing against Annapolis. I've been there before. Annapolis is great. But, um, you know, that's, I don't know. It's it kind of anti when it happens. than some of the other projects, better than Shreveport. I de- it, de- I will, I, it depends I, I, on who you're playing. Again, like if if you're saying Shreveport against Miami, I'll take it.
1: Well, and also don't don't completely drown Shreveport because you know gambling. Like let's not fair let's point. Not a bad one. Uh, but I will say, you know, there are players in this team. Nate Evans has said this multiple times about how one of the one of the really cool things that he has come to treasure as a student athlete is, is the ability to travel that this, that the playing football, playing sports allows him to do. And he even mentioned it. I don't know if it was after the USF game or before it, he said he would probably like to have a bowl game where he could travel somewhere because he's, you know, going like when he was growing up in new Orleans or growing up in Louisiana, just outside of new Orleans, he didn't know he'd be, you know, travel around the United States, going to these different cities, seeing these different places. So I think, if you asked most of the players, I think most of them would want to play out of the state of Florida as well. Yeah. Yeah, but we're fans. Yeah, I can agree
0: with that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. screw them. <laughs> screw the
0: <fans. laughs> oh, no, It sorry, really, it they're really they're is about the video. players. It's about the players. It's about the coaches. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, the I'm sure the players would, would love a shot at Miami. <laughs> that's the thing.
2: Oh, I'm sure that's part of it, yeah. Now, By the way, the fans didn't show up to the Cure Bowl, so I, I think we make too big of a deal about where the destination is well, that was know, a, they made that, their, let's be
0: fair, that was a long time ago. Lots happened since then. Twenty
2: sixteen. Twenty sixteen. What do you yeah. mean
0: a long time ago a lot's happened since then? Just saying.
2: Yeah, a lot of spoiled people. Um <laughs> so look, I do agree with Nate Evans. And I've complained about this about the NCAA tournament. Like, let's just go ahead and say it. I'm gonna just say it right now. Next year, UCF volleyball, we're gonna be talking a year from now in Gainesville off a win against a team in the state or somebody else, and they're gonna get ready for a second round game against Florida because the NCAA will not give the players a different experience because God forbid, you know, Orlando is only the most easiest place to fly into and fly out of, but apparently we can't do that. That's too hard for the NCAA to complicate that from a financial standpoint, so we got to send them to the same place over and over again, so I actually do understand where Nate's coming from because I don't think he's alone in that.
0: Fair point. Go ahead. Um, real quick, before we... Um, oh, oh, there uh, there is some other news that actually we did want to uh, talk about. Guys who have announced that they are uh, leaving early or transferring. First of all, Gabe Davis has announced he's uh, leaving for the NFL draft in 2020. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. You know, we're not going to really go on and on about that. Um, just, it, I mean, Gabe has really done a lot. I, I took a look at Walter Football Murph, and he has Gabe as the number nine rated wide receiver. you agree with that? Oh, God. I mean, did, I'm really putting yeah. you on the spot there. I know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are we now. doing are we, are we doing draft rankings in December? No no oh, we're not
0: doing draft rankings.
1: I'm, I'm just saying like that
0: th- say th- does that sound, I, that sound about right you know like he like he belongs in that tier sort of
1: Sure. I have no idea because outside, like outside of the the Jared Judys of the world and CD Lambs of the world, like I can't say that certainly Gabe is not better than them as a pro right now but like yeah he's he's a step down I don't know if there's a big I don't know if there's a drop between four and nine. Or if it's, you know, if, if, if there's spread out pretty evenly. I, I don't know. I will say this. The only thing that matters. Uh, and I'm going to be writing about this uh, this weekend. Uh, not so much about Gabe, but so much about the fact that we should be happy whenever, and I mean any one of these guys, declares early. And I will make it a case defending that. I know people who will hear that will automatically say that I'm wrong and that we should take into account their draft stock and things like that. But I will argue that we shouldn't uh, because when it, we, have Murph. An
2: opportunity- Murph, we need our debt for next year, man.
1: Come <laughs> on. Because when you have an opportunity to make money and forgave a considerable about a considerable amount of money depending on his combine performance, and yes, I'm said I said combine performance as if it means something, which it shouldn't, but it still does. Uh, then you have to go. He's got, he's got nothing else to prove here., uh, he set the uh, single season record for receiving yards. He is had a, had a fantastic. He led the team in, in catches and receiving yards and touchdowns. He roasted and toasted, according to Mark Davis, uh, a Paulson Adebo who was still seen as a, an outside shot for a first round pick. Uh, the Stanford quarterback. So yeah, he obviously was going to go. We you could hear it in his language last the last week or so that he was pretty much saying he was going to be going. So this is fine. I will say this though. There will be more players who leave early, I believe. Not transfer out of the program, but leave early to go to the draft. We saw two players announce their decision to leave after the bowl game last year. remember Snelson and Tristan Hill uh, both announced they would leave to the draft after the bowl game. I think Tristan actually announced it like an hour after the bowl game. Right. Uh, but the fact is that I think, I think after the bowl game, we could see one or two more players also leave. And I think at that point, there will be much more consternation among the fan base about, well, is he ready? Could they benefit from a year for coming back more to improve their stock, whatever? I, that is, that's a junk argument. That's a selfish argument. I will write about this. But basically, if anyone does declare to go to the draft, I'll be very happy for them, and I wish them the best. I look forward to you. And you. Your
2: unselfishness, you. How
0: dare you? Yeah, how dare you ask these? How dare you say these kids should go? Should go make money? I mean, unbelievable. Um, the a uh, couple other bits that I wanted to uh, just quickly pass along. Uh, guys who have uh, dropped into the uh, transfer portal. Uh, th- uh, what do we see, Murph? Three guys, from what I see so far. Um, Quadri Jones, we know about uh, the yep. quarterback, Richard Freshman, who by the way finishes his UCF career a perfect four for four. Uh, and a career passer rating of five hundred and seventeen. <laughs> um he is in the transfer portal. Uh Bacody Sweat, uh who only played one game this year, uh is uh moving on. He's he's also he's a redshirt junior. He's also in the transfer portal. Uh who am I missing, uh Brian out of that?
1: Missing Ike Walker.
0: Ike Walker, that's a
1: right. Defensive a defensive tackle, redshirt uh, freshman defensive tackle who was part of uh, Scott Frost's last class.
0: Gotcha. He was okay. uh,
1: he was one of the early he was one of the December signees in December of 2017. Yeah,
0: and then we're still obviously uh, I obviously these guys aren't going to be the only ones just as well as there're going to be plenty more guys coming in, by the way. Um yeah. Welcome to the era of of college free agency, but I, you know, I, I'm you know what? I'm fine with that. I mean, it but it was it is what it is, and put yourself. Put yourself. Anybody who's against this, okay?
2: Damn it, guys! We needed Quadri, man. Who's gonna be our third-string quarterback now? Yeah,
0: exactly. Huh? Huh? Oh, put yourself. You put yourself in the shoes of of Quadri Jones, and you know what? What would you do? Right. Uh, sir,
2: you're gonna be I, unselfish too. God damn it, Jeff! You're gonna be. How about our team? Damn it! What about my team? Huh? Who's gonna be our third-string? Defensive
1: tackle. I, I, I think we all knew that Quadri was going to transfer the day that we found out that he didn't even beat out the true freshman. Like, we didn't know at the time that Dylan Gabriel was going to be as good as he was, but once we knew that, that Wimbush was the starter and Gabriel was the backup and Quadri Jones, who had been in the system, was still the third stringer, we pretty much knew the writing was on the wall. This was it for him. I yeah. really hope he goes and finds a place that lets him play consistently. Uh, because he he does he does have athletic traits to be consistent somewhere be, to be uh good somewhere in college football. Deshawn McCody Sweat is really just a victim of his own body. Who, uh, you know, he broke a he broke a bone in his leg early in his twenty, uh, I believe twenty seventeen season, twenty eighteen season. Yeah, and, and really could never come back. Got hurt again. Um, played one. I was really excited to see him play this year because in fall camp, coaches were all about you know, like, oh, he's going to be a big situational pass rusher for us, third down pass rusher. But he played one game as a third stringer against FAMU and then never came back, which, again, is another – it's another page in the book of coaches Lie because that's what coaches do. Um, and I, so, I, again, he's a guy who's athletic enough to be really good somewhere as well. I don't know really much about anything about Ike Walker. I mean, he's a big, big space-eating defensive tackle, uh, you know, who played in a couple games this year. But really – uh, there will be more guys leaving, and you can have, you know, you can you can fret about the system and the way it's set up and, and the free agency angle of it all. But all these kids are doing are taking advantage of the option that's available to them. Exactly. So and, and
2: isn't, this, uh, isn't this the whole purpose, though, of the transfer, really? I, I don't think people have a problem. Like, if you're not getting, like, Kwaji Jones, let's be honest. I mean, he's a talented kid, just wasn't going right. to play here. There's no scenario where right. you saw he was going to play here. So why should he stick around? He should go somewhere yeah. else. We has an opportunity for a to better himself and look UCF's benefited from similar situations whether it be a Brett Hodges comes in from Wake Forest a decade ago and ends up winning the starting job you get a Trey Nixon from Ole so everybody benefits here I think where fans have the problem is it's usually the concern and I don't think this will be a football issue I think this is more of an Olympic sport issue is when marquee guys leave certain mid-major programs to go to marquee programs I think that's where fans kind of fret but I don't I don't think that applies to football
0: at all my thing that I've always that i always told you about is like, if guys want to be here, uh, you know, I want guys who want to be here uh, in all sports, right? Guys and gals. Um, if you don't want to be here, don't stay. Like if they if they weren't student athletes, right? They can, you can transfer to whatever school you want to 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 you know to, to pursue whatever academic career or whatever it is that you want. Why do we get all worked up about the fact that these people play a sport?
1: In addition, because. To no, I, I feel like when players transfer out, again, w- fans want to identify with these players, not as again they don't know them as people, only they know them as laundry, right. And they and they root for them because they're wearing the laundry, and because and then when they say I'm leaving this school, it feels like they're saying I don't want you anymore. It's like they, it's like they're doing it out of spite, even though right. they're not. They see them as if oh we're not good enough for you. How can you leave us? You know you're supposed to love us. You're playing for us. Well, I'm, I rooted for you. I cheered for you. But you have to understand these kids. Again, they have, most of them are very much they are kids. <laughs> they are. They are only every every pick. every,
2: every, right. every situation is different. I
1: mean, they yeah. are taking yeah. the option that's available to them. And you can you can you can moan about the system, but this is an avenue that was again set up for players like you said, like like players like this who want to go play somewhere who have no road to play here. So I have no problem with it, but I know people, fans always will because fans are selfish. Well, Damn you, my, my hope is, <laughs>
0: damn
2: it, Merv, our depth is being hurt. Damn it!
0: My my hope is that, and I do see a lot of this, uh, you know, and that encourages me. Is you know, when guys decide to leave, you know, like Quadri, the fans are like, "Hey, thanks for everything. You know, we're going to miss you, and we wish I you the best the, of luck, and, we, and we'll be and we'll be we'll be following you closely because once a night, always a night, right?" And the fans who get it say that.
2: I think the majority of fans understand that situation. And look, and let's be honest, fans understand it because hey, we're in good shape at the quarterback position. All right. Right. If Dylan Gabriel struggle, there might be a little bit more angst. But things are fine, so I think everybody understands. It won't, like Murph said, this won't be the last transfer. Probably (laughs) might not even be the last. Right. Who knows? But uh, it's okay. You know, UCF's going to lose some players. They'll get some players. That's the way the world works.
0: All right, well, um, let's see. All right, yeah. So we'll put a bow yeah. on that, and we'll move right and we'll move right along. I just uh, care
2: about where Murph's going to end up for a bowl game. I'm very worried about Murph. I want him to have a good time. He's worked hard. Just worry he's going to end up in a, you
1: know. I've never been to Annapolis. I've heard great things. I would love to go there. There you go. Make it happen, people. Great things have been in. said. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, we're, hey, go so ahead, Murph. You both. You both know what bowl game. I, I won't say it on the air because I might offend some people. Okay. But you know, you both know there is a bowl game that I do not want to go to. I've been very steadfast in that, and and as long as that doesn't show up on Sunday, then I, I'll be happy.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we'll throw you under the bus later, Murph. All right. Uh, we come back. We'll talk a little
1: hoops. Um,
0: you. By the way, how close did UCF men's basketball come to going three and O this weekend? We'll tell you in a little bit here on the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Don't go away. <laughs> Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, and follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, spokes underscore Murphy, Eric Lopez, E. lo and on Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, where we followed UCF men's basketball in their trip out to Anaheim at the uh, wooden Legacy, which Murphy you and you astutely informed all of us is not was not played at the Shark Tank, right? It was played
1: well, at. No, 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 no. The Shark Tank is in San Jose.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What am yeah. I saying? The the uh, the pond, the former Arrowhead the pond. pond. The pond. Dude.
1: Yes. Yeah, where which the happened? hell was this? There's at a place called Anaheim Arena, which looked like a gym. Yeah so it's sort of next to the Anaheim Convention Center I literally I thought this thing was being played at the Honda Center until the day of the tournament and I'm like oh wait it's not it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) good thing you good thing you didn't go there because you would have not you would have gone to the wrong building (laughs) building.
2: (laughs) that that happened to like didn't that happen to like the Texas women's basketball team a few weeks ago they like they went to Amelie Arena when they were. When they were,
0: supposed they to were play yeah, South that's Florida. right. They were supposed to play South Florida, the hockey, and they Virginia. went to the hockey arena. And then the game started late because they went to the wrong arena. <laughs> For GPS oh my god, that's classic. Anyway, um, uh, so UCF goes out to Anaheim. They play three games in four days over Thanksgiving week, and they go two and two and one. And uh, well, put it this way, they they. They were a toenail from going three and zero, possibly, because in their first game against Penn, um, hard-fought game against another pesky freaking Ivy League team. Colin Smith, uh, by the way, is playing so well right now. Can we just pour one out for Colin Smith, please? Twenty-two and twelve in this game, seventeen and thirteen boards to f- plus five assists for Dazon Ingram, and. The knights, all right. So they ha- So they're down three. They get the ball with a second to go, and uh, and they find Darren Green. Was it? Right? It was Darren Green, right? Shoots yep. shoots it from outside. Hits a shot at the buzzer that we thought was a three and ties the game and send it to overtime. They replay it and it turns out that he stepped on one of the four different three point arcs. Just happened to be the wrong one. It was a two-point basket, and UCF loses by one to the Penn Quakers. Uh, after that, um, well, I, let's talk about that one first, Murph, because Penn, Ivy League uh, competitor, obviously four and two right now. Um, they're always they're always in the mix to go to the NCAA. Um, no,
1: they're, no, they're they're a halfway decent team. Like they yeah, they're pretty good.
0: Yeah, so, you know, don't let that flip. I just they're so freaking annoying, aren't they? I mean, the whole game. I, it, it, and No, the only the part that's annoying
2: is that there's four freaking three-point lines. That's what's annoying. First, why are there four three-point lines in this game? Why?
1: So, one the so there are four and then they go one is a high school three-point line, the other one's a women's college basketball three-point line, the third one was the men's college basketball three-point line, and the fourth one was a pro Three-point line. Now, unfortunately for Darren, he was standing behind the first two lines, but was standing on the third line, which is the college basketball three-point line. That's why it was ruled a two. Why do they have four lines? Well, they do have some high school games in there. They do obviously have college games in there. They did used to host a a, a what was formerly known as the D-League team uh, way way in the back. They for like one season they had a D-League team in there. So maybe they just haven't picked up the stripe since then. Uh, maybe Apparently there's some not. teams. In- Maybe there's some teams that hold scrimmages in there. I don't so know. That's the LA
0: defenders or whatever the hell they were called.
1: No, they don't. know, they do not. So anyway, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate, but it shouldn't have, it should not have even come down to that, Jeffrey. That this this was a game against Penn in which UCF took 27 more shots. They absolutely. I've never seen a
0: game where a team took that many more shots. 74 to 47 was the shot attempts in this game. Correct.
1: Correct. And they they forced nine more turnovers. They dominated on the boards. It should not have been this close. They just could not convert enough of their opportunities. All it was, like they they had plenty of chances to pull away in this game, and just didn't do it. And it wasn't like there was like this sudden spurt where they got out and and, and, were, and like no, it was just consistently, they, like just throughout the entire game for the full 40 minutes, they had chances after chances after chances, and just they didn't hit enough. I believe they hit 32, 32%. 32.4%. 32. So, yeah, just not good enough, and that's why Wait, right. you shouldn't have even been in that position.
2: Only got scoring, really, from what, Dajon and Colin in that game, right? Everybody yeah. else a kind of struggle as I recall that game.
1: Yeah,
2: The only positive about that, by the way, we did end up on uh, Scott Van Pelt's bad beats.
0: How I many times that's has that's UC, as a UCF team ended up on bad beats this year? I, I swear the football team's been on there at least four times.
2: I don't know, but I, I, I personally enjoy it. I, I take it pride. <laughs> of course you do. You,
0: you, 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 have the, you have the highest sense of schadenfreude of any person I know. Of course I <laughs> enjoy it, damn it. It's, to me, it's the highlight of the
2: year. We make it there as many times as we can. And the reason we made it, by the way, because Penn was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And they had the inbound situation where the ball was supposedly rolled to Penn, and then they overturned it, and then the three— if you actually had Penn, you were rooting for that to be an actual three-pointer because that would have sent it to overtime, but they lost. But the good news is, after that, the Knights responded, Murph, in a game you and I watched in person while, as our friend Trace referred to it, the four on I-4 uh, was going on.
0: We decided <laughs> I mean. to watch
2: a little UCF Pepperdine basketball during the football game, and they picked up a nice win there and then crushed College of Charleston.
0: Again. awesome. <laughs>
1: Watching, yes, they, well, they didn't crush Well, they didn't Chargers. crush them again, but they beat him again, yeah. They beat him the second, yes, they did. They beat them for the second time in a week, basically. I will say, watching the Pepperdine game while in the press box at Spectrum Stadium during the USF football game was an interesting experience because I really am trying to watch two things at once. And I, I, I do think, as we kind of brought up, I do think UCF football for kind of you know taking its foot off the gas in that game and really giving us nothing to watch or to be excited about in that second half. It looked like they
0: might have been watching the game on the iPads on the sideline.
1: <laughs> I needed to concentrate on that Pepperdine game, and and so much so that uh, I did not go to the, uh, the post-game press conference, which had Adrian Killen and Gabe Davis and Nate Evans. No, I was too busy because I was still in the press box talking to Johnny Dawkins and Cesar Jesus in a hall closet uh, <laughs> after that game in which they won a Pepperdine because Cesar Jesus comes off the bench and scores a career-high 21 points. and Just Got got hot early, and you know it's one of those things where you know shooters get hot, and he got hot, and uh, they scored forty points off the bench that night, and and really uh, for most for basically the entire second half were were not threatened by a Pepperdine team who the night before came really really close to knocking off a elite eight caliber Arizona squad.
0: Yeah, they they had a that was a heartbreaker of their own that they lost in that game too, and Cesar was eight of ten from the field in that game. Um yeah. 2 of 3 from the arc, uh 21 points, uh 2 rebounds, 2 assist. Uh Daison was uh, 14, 8 and 5. Man, he just does it all that guy. He's really sad. And, and then the uh the Charleston game was just no contest. Uh no contest from the beginning. 77-56 was the final. Um Four dice and double figures in this one, led by Colin Smith with 19 plus 9 and 5 assists for Colin uh, wow. on 8 of 13 from the field. Uh, 13 for Dre Fuller, who uh, who settled in nicely, I think, um, in that game. Darren Green uh, uh, you know, was 2 for 7. Yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, Dazon Ingram, again, only 2 points, but 9 rebounds and 6 assists, just making things happen, even though he was only... One for eight from the floor, and then and then we had a, a another good game from Brandon Mahan. four seven from the field, twelve points, four rebounds. So, um, I you know I, I keep coming back to it, boys. You know I don't know if this team is good or not, but they're interesting. They're really and this could this kind of reminds me of again. I know I've said this before, but you know that heart and hustle Magic team. That uh, you know, when everyone left, and the, all they were left was was, was you know you know Shaq had left, Penny had left, and uh, and all all the all that was left was basically Daryl Armstrong and some dudes, and uh, and lo and behold, they almost fought their way into a playoff spot. This team kind of reminds me of that because obviously everybody left, and you know here we are with Colin Smith, um, Cesar DeJesus, and then you get you kind of have like this you know, mosaic of players from other places and they're, they're playing some good ball right now. They, they seem to have come together at the, at the right time they They seem to be pulling it together. I know they're, they're five and two right now. You can make a question about the, the level of competition that they played so far, but doggone it, you get your money's worth,
1: don't you out of this group? It's certainly a more, it's a, it's certainly a, a more fun brand of basketball than than the renditions that we've seen. Not that you know. Again, not saying that they're better because they're not. But in terms of a more entertaining, interesting watch, there are a number of guys on this team that can hurt you on any given night. I mean, I think when we were last year, it was basically it was Taco, B.J. Aubrey. You needed your offense to come from those guys. Certainly, Colin Smith has taken uh, you know, taken a seat at you know at the head of the table here. But with Brandon Mahan. And Caesar coming off the bench, Darren Green Jr. just having ice water in his veins, Dre Fuller, the redshirt freshman, becoming more confident, uh, Dazon doing everything. Dazon Ingram has 20 assists and no tur- and one turnover in his last four games. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's just inter- It's an interesting mix of players. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they're very good. I think maybe my expectations have been raised a little bit from like. What did I have then? preseason? I think I had them eighth or ninth. Now I can see them finishing right. maybe sixth in this conference.
0: I tell you um, what, you did, Murph. You pissed them off. Yeah,
1: that's what well, it was.
2: Well, Murph, <laughs> let me. I mean, all oh, seriously, let me ask you. I mean, you spoke to Dawkins, uh, Coach Dawkins, a lot, obviously after each game,
1: yeah.
2: Uh, this tournament. How, what What was the sense you got from him overall talking to him this weekend, especially after the last game? Where How does he feel about the, where this team's at?
1: Well, he thinks that the Charleston game was their best game of the season, and it's very difficult to argue that. Again, this was a team they had on on their home floor a week ago, a week prior, and they barely beat them. They beat them by one, thanks to some last-second free throws. Uh, this time, they completely dominated them from start to finish, um, and so you can see this. I think he the thing that uh, he mentioned most is you know I asked him what did he what did he learn about this team. And he learned that he said he, he learned that this team has a uh, really high potential, and I think that's right. Again, th- that's not a tangible aspect. That's something that, that's not something you can point to on the court. But when you look at these pieces sort of perform together, again, when your point guard scores two points, like that's not great, but he does everything else. And nights where uh, you know where Darren might be off or Brandon Mayhan might be off, there's other guys that can pick up the slack offensively. Um, so I think this that they are noticing that this team could be a lot better than certainly we thought. Many people thought, maybe even they thought in in their minds that they will never say, you know, truthfully what they thought. They'll always, you know, give you like, well, I always knew we'd be good. Maybe so, but I think uh, well, the, the, what are they
0: gonna say? You know, I thought we would probably exactly, stake this year. <laughs> exactly.
1: Maybe, 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 maybe that that Johnny is is sort of seeing that they, this team. Might be better than anybody thought.
0: Well, I've got uh, – I, I mean, I, I think that what Johnny was really smart about was scheduling um, because he gave them some games that um, you, you were kind of confidence builders, <laughs> to say, in, in, in a way. Um, yeah, more,
1: more of those coming up, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah let me tell you. Uh, they got a they got th- four-game homestand coming up against the, fo- against the following murderer's row, NJIT. Green Bay, Sacred Heart, and Bethune-Cookman. Uh, the Highlanders of the New Jersey Institute of Technology. My uncle, by the way, graduated from the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Uh, December 7th, uh, that's a Saturday. That's this coming Saturday at noon uh, at home. And Green Bay yeah, is Tuesday I'm, at
2: 8. I'm just saying, the, the your college basketball is going with a lot of upsets across the board. Duke losing to Stephen F. Austin, among other. Uh, Connecticut, I think, lost to St. Joseph or something like that the other day or somebody they weren't supposed to lose to. Don't take any of these games for granted. That's all I'm saying.
0: No, I know. I know. I know. I'm just, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I, I would not be remiss in saying that these should be winnable games though, right?
1: They are very much winnable games.
0: Yeah. It's very much winnable games. Uh, especially NJIT. Uh, I, you know, and, and I say that with all love in my heart for the Highlanders. but
1: so basically This will basically lead UCF... These 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 next four games all at home will lead UCF into their non conference sense
0: of security. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it will lead them into their non conference finale, which is in Norman against Oklahoma, and that will wrap up their that will wrap up their uh, non conference season. They'll then open up the conference season a couple uh, like a couple days later. So, this is really a, a stretch here, where UCF will sort of try to refine itself before what they call the regular season really opens yeah uh, because you can get against these teams I mean you're, they're gonna be there are gonna be some lappers I think in the stretch maybe they can again like Eric said anybody can be beat but uh, the way this team has performed uh, on the road uh, you know uh, basically basically a country you know full country away they should not have any trouble with any of these four teams coming up
0: right well, at least that's our hope. <laughs> Um, you never know how this how how the month of December goes. Sometimes, just like Eric was saying, so NJIT on Saturday, Green Bay on Tuesday. Um, both of those games are on ESPN three. Uh, all right. Uh, with that. Um, by the way, women's basketball. Uh, I should know they had they're at four and four right now, and uh, had a pretty rough go of it uh, at the Cavalier Classic in Charlottesville. Um, lost to UCLA by five and then lost to James Madison by three. So a total bummer on that one. They um, are not back in action until December the 17th. So they have more than – it's 17 days off uh, until their next uh, home game against Quinnipiac. That's Tuesday, December the 17th uh, at Edition Financial Arena.
1: That's, that's actually a good thing for that team because – so one of the, so this is, this is too bad, too. This is unfortunate, too. But one of the reasons why – uh, well, I mean, really. I'd say the reason why they lost either of those games, including the UCLA game, which was could have been a huge feather in their cap. UCLA, yeah. I believe. Actually
2: ranked. Yeah,
1: yeah they really they are. So KK Wright played all of about four minutes across those two games yep. because KK got hit, uh, or sh- at least they're saying that she sustained a lower leg injury early on in that UCLA game. They did not play her for the rest of that game, and then she didn't play in the James Madison game. Uh, but they, they the, the word is, is that it's precautionary. They expect her to right. come back for the next game. But it's a good thing they have this break because they yeah. certainly need to get her healthy.
0: Yeah, she's, I agree. you know, her her minutes have been relatively. I don't want to say sparse, but there has been there have been some occasions where her minutes have been limited. I remember in the home opener against Pitt, she came off the bench.
1: Um, right. that, that was a minutes thing. That really was, was actually. That was Coach Abe saying we wanted to lessen her minutes. This was a, a, a legitimate injury that she that she sustained yeah. in Virginia. Yeah. Uh, I think the good – as tough as it is to know that they lost both those games by really close margins without their best player and know that she definitely could have been the difference in turning both those losses into wins, the overarching good news here is that they don't expect her injury to be anything substantial.
2: Well, and I think it could be, it could benefit them long term because I thought they played well without her. And, you know, Martin had a, stepped up and had a big game against UCLA. I think that's, this could benefit them long term. Yes, in the short term, it stunk that she got hurt. But I think for everybody else to step up, I think this will get them, make them better uh, moving forward. And I agree with you. The fact they have a couple weeks off here will help that. And I think she'll be all right. And, look, before you know it, the conference starts in the, the end of this month. And, you know, I think it's a compelling situation. South Florida improved. I think UConn, by their standards, are not very good. Now, that being said, they're still going to win the league. But they're still – Hey, I'm just saying. There's opportunities to be had down the road. So I think you're right. I agree with you.
0: Breaking. Eric Lopez says UConn stinks. All right. Um so
2: I mean, I mean they struggle with Seton Hall. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was that was that was not pretty. Um <laughs> it's, it's Seton Hall. Like, what in the hell is going on? So uh there it is for women's basketball. Um we uh so that pretty much takes care of everything from what I've been looking oh, at Oh, we got
2: two things, two
0: more things, two, two more things. Th- okay, I, I do have to I yeah, you're right. And I do have to come back here. I and I, I don't want to make it look like I'm ducking this, but um I do want to pour one out for UCF men's soccer. That's one of them, I'm sure, Eric, because yes. they lost in the Sweet 16 uh to SMU, which has just been the bugaboo of the Knights for, for you know, for the last 3 years now, 2 to 1 in overtime on a goal that happened how many seconds into that overtime period, Eric? 18, was it 40? 18 seconds. 18, 18 seconds, seconds in? Ugh. Oh, well, let's, I mean, the,
2: the, the thing that stung was that the way SMU evened the match was basically the guy flopped and fell down on the floor, and as usual, the dumb refs, as typical in college soccer, fell for it. That's just like SMU does all the time. And they got rewarded a penalty kick and was able to, able to even the match. That's disappointing when you have referees that clearly couldn't ref an intramural soccer match, let alone a college uh, Sweet 16 match, fall Whew. for that crap. but
0: uh, Good thing you can't get fined.
2: <laughs> well, it was a joke. I mean, and I give credit to Derek Sharp, who does a lot of the South Florida Olympic Sports broadcast. He put the video up in slow-mo and it was clear as obvious. The kid just fell down, and they tend to do that a lot. They did a similar thing against South Florida in the men's uh, semifinal, and it's unfortunate because they're a great program, and you would, you know, they should be better than that. Uh, but they're not, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, that's unfortunate. And, uh, but you know, it, look, it's still a great year for men's soccer for the first time in program history. They got to a sweet 16. Uh, they were, you know, put a, you know, go away from the elite eight, um, an incredible year for that program and, and historic and accomplished a lot. I know people have asked this question, Jeff, real quick about next year's team and who's going to replace Cal uh, I'll give you brief no- uh, cliff notes here. I think VV is the guy that's probably going to step into Cal's role. I think mm-hmm. he has the upside.
0: He's, he he's looks upside. a lot like Cal did the year that uh, um, Matias Puzzolo. Remember him? And we were wondering yep, who's yep, going to yep, take over for Matias, and then Cal kind of came on late, and then look what happened with Cal the next, the next two years. And I think you're right. I think Gino is the next guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's going to step into that role, and they return a lot of guys. uh from this roster and they're going to have a good class coming in so I think they'll be in the mix again next year
0: yep Yoni Sorokin's coming back Gino's just a freshman by the way and uh, Gladimir Mendoza has really stepped up in that game as well Cal Jennings by the way finishes his career with 46 goals um, and is a semifinalist for the Mac Herman Award which is the college soccer version of the Heisman Trophy so um, we'll be watching that uh, as the as the postseason continues for men's soccer it's such a bummer his sport is just, it's too much. And then uh, we had one more, Eric, you said. Ben.
2: Brian Murphy has been a great soldier here, sat through our volleyball conversation, uh, you know, talked bowl game projections nonsense. It's only fair.
0: <laughs> Slapped it us down about run.
1: that. I have no,
2: that been waiting has, for.
1: no idea what's coming up, guys. I swear. To all the listeners, yeah, I can't like Elo's on, going to say.
2: Murph, we're less than two months away, and finally ucf baseball schedules
0: out yeah we knew it schedules out if you want to look at ucfknights.com what do we have murph
1: we have a pair of two four game series which is interesting uh i'm pulling up the schedule right now because again this is very impromptu you're
0: so excited you're not even fully prepared um, I was
2: debating whether to bring that up or the fact that Jeff is reporting that the Yankees are willing to throw the bank and everything at Garrett Cole. As they should be. Well, we'll, we'll, season we'll season starts
0: – well, I'll, I'll kind of recap. The season starts against Siena on on uh, Valentine's Day, Friday, February 14th. Four oh, yeah. games against the, against the Saints, uh, including a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, they got Stetson on the 18th. Three against Auburn the following weekend. Um Let's see here. Cal State, uh, Cal State is that Cal State Northridge? Right, coming Cal in. State okay. Northridge, right. Um, Butler's coming into town. Yale's coming into town. Florida State's going to be here for a back-to-back on March 17th and 18th, right before conference play starts. And uh, we home, and home with the Miami Hurricanes. Home and home with the Canes. Uh, yeah, so uh, we got so, FAU on the schedule. It's it's a yeah, pretty decent slate, no?
1: I mean, well, I mean the Auburn non the Auburn visit. You know, going to going to the Plains. I, I guess they call it that in baseball too. I don't know, probably not. But uh, going to Auburn is your best non-conference. You know, best non-conference uh, opponent. Uh, CSUN, as it is known, Cal State Northridge. Don't get it twisted. As if you can talk about where your family went to school, I can also mention that I I got my masters at Cal State Northridge. Fair so. point. Fair point. Oh. Go Matadors, although not that weekend.
0: They really um, need to update that logo, man. That is straight out of 1964.
1: <laughs> Olay, Jeff. Um, <laughs> so, no, that that team is not good though. It's an interesting connection there. Like they're coming across the country for that series. Like, but that C, that CSUN team has not been good for uh, a few years. Um, interesting that there's only a two game set. Uh, is this? A, I don't even know if this is a mistake yet. I have to ask. They only have a two game set with USF. Uh, can't
2: which be is right? That
1: can't be right. Yeah, that can't be right. It's so weird. Like on the schedule, they have a Stetson game that week on Tuesday. Then they have Saturday, Sunday against USF uh, in Tampa. I, I don't know. Maybe that's 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 something weird. I will say I, maybe it's something to keep in the back of your mind. UCF does host both Cincinnati and ECU, basically both your tournament champions and re- and regular season champions. Both those teams play. At the John this year, so that could be big for UCF. But mostly, it's a it's a fairly uninspiring non-conference slate outside of the usual, you know, Florida, Miami, Florida State, Miami. You know, that's nice. Florida, obviously, not on the schedule. We know how Greg Lovelady feels about that. Uh, Much, you know, he told us all about that last year. Um, But that's just not going to happen for a while, it looks like. Uh, But otherwise, outside of Florida, like you know, you know, there's nothing really that pulls you toward. You know, there's no one. There's no one that's coming in here. That you are really like? Oh, I can't wait to see them. Well, they, get, they get to
0: go to that new ballpark that UConn built just in time for them to leave the league.
1: They do. So yeah, it'd be fun. Maybe I'll go up there. I mean, it'll be it, that. That'll be in April, so it, it should be balmy by then. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's 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 a weird schedule. It's just a it's a weird schedule. Like the CSUN thing totally threw me off. The two game set against USF totally threw me off. Why I don't they, that's
2: accurate, right? It's got to be a three game series. I mean, yeah. if,
1: if it wasn't, if it was inaccurate, they would have fixed it by now. The schedule's been out for a week. The schedule came out last Wednesday. This game this schedule came out eight days ago. And and you know, two four game series, you know, they have a double header against Stetson or a double header against Siena right away. Like it's weird. All right, Murph,
2: hey, Murph, you got the connections, get to work on that. I, I'm buying. I'm saying no. I'm saying there's no way why would they only play two games against South Florida? Unless South Florida is so tired of getting their blank beat out of you by UCF in every sport that they're like tired of playing look, we don't want to play three games, we just rather get a two game split. That's what we're shooting for. Like, come on.
1: I don't know, but uh so anyway, that's what that is. Uh, I'm glad that I could bring you all up to date. I guess why did we why, why did we forget about to talk about that last week? Did we did we not have a podcast last week? I'm already, it, already well, the no the podcast
0: and the, the schedule, schedule was, was announced, announced. Yeah, the day after we came out, it was right. Of, remember, and, Mer- we were at
1: the women's basketball
0: game. Right, 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 like, right. We and uh, so we
1: recorded on Tuesday. Yeah,
0: it was a day before Thanksgiving news dump. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: <laughs> by the way, Murph, I, by the way, I got some news. Uh, so Auburn plays at Plainsman Park, which is officially known as Sanford Stadium. Uh,
1: the capacity it is. is... The plains. Yeah, so and is... you'll love
2: this. So the capacity is 4,096. 090, uh, Two, in 2003, Baseball America rated it as the best college baseball venue in the country.
0: Really? Well, isn't that yeah. special? I got to go up there.
2: Hey, Mike. Right. By the way, very important note can't do that uh, i'm disappointed in you murph sunday april 5th ucf's hosting wichita state that's the day of wrestlemania in tampa just saying uh,
0: that is not that's my only that's in- my birthday
1: too by the way oh well sorry jeff we're gonna have to miss we're gonna have to miss on your party nah, too unless tough. you're
2: welcome unless you want to come to wrestlemania and we could throw a birthday party yeah at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, yeah i think i'll
1: pass you have to you have to imagine jeff and we're saying this totally in jest but certainly that that sunday game knowing that wrestlemania is only a couple hours away that sunday game might start maybe earlier than scheduled for uh a, a, a certain manager who would really like to be at that show maybe that's uh-huh.
0: okay are, are you saying that we might have like didn't we have a game that started at like 10 a.m this year or something yeah. or last year i guess Wichita all last year i think that's we right to favor. Yeah, fair point all right By just way, plant perfect. just plant a seed in your in your head there coach coach love i'm just saying then we can make a little trade. Hey man, could be yeah. CM
2: Punk's return match. All right, at WrestleMania. Just saying.
0: Uh, wait, is, way, is Lopez out here dropping dropping wrestling insider news
1: Murph, on, on the Michael hit. Banner podcast? We have oh, hit a wrestling quota for this podcast. This is oh, quick. oh, let me all tell way, you, Murph. we've hit
0: it.
2: Now, now, Murph, you, now you told me in in the in the, uh, in the press box, but I think you should share to the audience. There's a game every year since you've arrived. Or, wacky midweek game where you see plays a marathon game that's like 38 degrees, and you're like the only person that decides to stay to watch every pitch of it because you just, for whatever reason, enjoy the the, the punishment out of it. Uh,
1: I had you, nothing else. I had nothing better to do on a Tuesday, most likely.
2: Right. So, like last year, what was it? it was Bradley or something like that where they play like a, a marathon midweek game and had a, a wacky ending,
1: and it was like right, terrible so- weather right it was well i mean it wasn't like terrible weather but it it was uh just cold it was just like it was was like mid-30s which for us is like you know death you know people were dying over here um bodies strewn
0: around the concourse of john uliala park So so,
1: (laughs) two years ago two years ago was bradley last year year was was Ball ball state oh yeah Nine, eight, and 13 innings, and I said before that game even threw a first pitch, I go, this has the feel of a game that goes like five hours, and sure enough... I was
2: witness.
0: I was witness. He was right. He did say
1: The end time of that game was 5.06. You could uh, feel
0: the eyes rolling at you, right, Murph, when you said that?
1: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> but, but I got that right, so give me my props, even though I'm a year late on that. So this year, looking at the schedule... Uh, there's a game, I believe, at the end of is it the end of March? I believe it is.
0: Looking uh there.
1: oh yeah, FAU, March thirty first against FAU here on a Tuesday between two conference series. That is gonna go at least four forty five. Just mark it down now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, four forty five game
0: time, six PM starts. So you're looking at that thing going to Ah, about eleven o'clock on a Tuesday night sounds about right. Yeah. Also,
1: right. runner up so with that. The gonna like there, what's the weather going to
0: be like there, Mark? Mean, it's it's going to be. It's going to be. It's March thirty first. That's around the time you get that that last cold snap.
1: Right. I mean, I, certainly, I could see the Yale series. That Yale has a full weekend series here, but that's a weekend series. No weekend series don't count. We're looking at we're looking at midweek series in which people who have had jobs have left their work early to come to the yard. And then are treated to five hours of baseball in in relative bone chilling temperature for a Floridian. I,
0: I, I'm so, thinking it's going to be that Jacksonville game on March the third. That's 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 my vote.
1: That could be a good one. That could be a good pick. I mean, uh, Elo, you have any you have any dogs in this fight? We got we have uh, Stetson on the on the on the fifth on the uh, 18th of February. We have Bethune Cookman on the 25th. You know, there's there's just nothing there's nothing. Out of state. I, I want a no, midweek. No, I, I want The a weird mid-week. thing is
2: right, right, right. There's not that Midwest team coming in, right? That's right. Kinda what...
1: That's what we're missing. Hmm.
3: Maybe that's
1: maybe that's that, maybe that's where the other the other USF game went. They're holding that spot open so they can go schedule like uh, Robert Morris or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That that Robert Morris. Where'd you come up with that one? That's
1: good. <laughs> that's the Northeast team. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know. Those are pretty good choices. I mean
0: – Texas I A&M mean, and I'm Kingsville would have been mine. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, there.
2: I'm left with like Bethune on April 14th, but I mean that's too late. I mean
1: yeah, – Yeah, yeah. You're it's, right. It's
2: if, be... yeah, if Yale, Yale would have been like a Monday, Tuesday, right, that would have been money.
1: Oh, that God. Been... If, it, if that Yale game was a Tuesday or Wednesday game, that thing would have gone forever. I would, I would have been married and had a kid and divorced in the span of that <laughs> game.
2: Well, how about Stetson? I mean, they've already practiced playing a lot of innings together in the fall. Maybe they can duplicate it, <laughs> it in
1: the spring. They did, but Stetson doesn't count. Stetson Stetson's right up the road. You want you want an absolutely nondescript game that for no reason goes fifteen innings and maybe keeps you at the ballpark until eleven o'clock or possibly midnight if you're me. <laughs> anyway, has this has game. been this has been a fantastic impromptu segment. And I say that I say that in full sarcasm.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take it. It's fine. It gets us to the finish line. Um, <clears throat>
2: you can't say we didn't give you your baseball
0: segment. That's right. So uh, look for
2: more from Brian Murphy covering UCF baseball. That's the kind of taste you'll get starting in February.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in the about-
1: meantime, we'll be We're talking more baseball than we did about volleyball for no reason. Why do we do this? <laughs> in the meantime we do
0: have some news that's going to be coming down the pike here in the month of December it's it's not going to get any less busy uh early signing days coming up right
1: yeah what? No, it's it, it, I think it, uh it's the 18th early signing day early it's one week before Christmas wow all
0: right yeah 18th um well, is the early signing period uh so we'll be keeping an eye on that obviously we're probably going to hear about what bowl game UCF goes goes to in the next I guess seventy-two
1: hours, right? Thursday, oh, Thursday. Find out Sunday afternoon. Once they do the, once they do the, the top four. I mean,
2: we gotta do an emergency podcast, or, or is that only for New Year's Six bowl?
0: Uh, nah. <sighs> how's how's that for an editorial decision? Just, um, just follow Murph. Just follow Murph. Yeah, follow you're Murph, folks. underscore You're the band Murph. red. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, I will say, last word on this love for it to be a, lo- a game that's relatively nearby so I can go see it so. um, and then uh, of course we'll be following basketball as it moves on through and then obviously don't forget UCF Volleyball Friday December the 6th 7 o'clock at the Yodome against Florida trip to the Sweet 16 on the line see if the Knights can win two in two days uh, up in Gainesville so uh, we'll be following that as now that would be cause for an emergency podcast I think we all agree on that right
1: Probably yes. Okay. Well, wait, no. It could be a one-man, it could be a one-man show.
0: One-man show. Would, Murph. Be... I'm at least going to drag you on here, Lopez. I thought yeah. you're going. If you're going, I'm you going not... to. Tr- I'm going to try to go. I, you know, I. It's it's going to be it's going to be a logistical challenge with two kids, but um, but it's a challenge I'm willing See, to accept. I'm gonna...
2: I mean, Murph's got a legit excuse. He's going to be scouting the future Giants quarterback, Justin Herbert, in the Pac-12 <laughs>
0: oh, title Oh, for Christ! Well, I
1: will, that. I will legitimately be talking and writing about UCF men's basketball tomorrow for oh. uh, the other publication. That's why I will not be able to go to games the school.
0: Orlando Center. It's okay, Murph. We are, we are okay, okay with promoting your, 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 your work on other, on other platforms. It's okay.
2: Speaking of promoting, you can check out my work at the Banner at the TV numbers, boys. UCF South Florida the War 9 yeah. Four very interesting numbers very interesting numbers not, not a big difference from last year to this year. Fascinating. Uh, so I break it down in depth about that
0: right. and of course a recap of UCF's win over Florida State which I've got up and then uh, we'll be doing our transfer tracker uh, as well taking a look at the, uh, the uh, transfer portal um, uh, Luke Saris is going to be helping me out with that uh, as well as will, as are you Brian Murphy since you're on top of that stuff as always well, alright so, All right, so for all of us here at the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, I am Jeff Sharon. For Eric and Brian, thank you so much for listening. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. Enjoy the weekend. Catch you next week.